For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back inside another riveting episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you, ready to break down everything Auburn athletics. As you all know, we have plenty to talk about, as we always do, but some breaking news has happened this week that certainly uh, creates a ripple effect within Auburn athletics. Uh, the flip side of it is a positive contract extension that happened last week. So we've got both ends of the spectrum to talk about on today's episode, along with our thoughts on what has happened within the NFL as of late, a basketball update for your Tigers, and JKM and I just catching up, which is always my favorite part of the episode. So we're glad that you have joined us. Hope everyone is having a fantastic week. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. So they are going to give a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v they also have your favorite vegas casino games it is the number one online wagering destination the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games so again that is bet online promo code b-l-e-a-v Alrighty, the man, the myth, the legend, J. Cam. And Jason, I want you to explain a little bit about your new endeavor. You posted about it on your social media. You were telling me a little bit about what it all includes, your involvement with NIL Auburn now. What's up, world? Auburn people, fans, how you doing? This your boy, one and only, Jay Shizzle. <laughs> 
Hey, uh, I'm doing good, Taylor. Uh, you know, what a weekend. Wow. You know, Auburn Gymnastics was awesome. Uh, my, you know, just going to that meet was just electric. Um, I look forward to going to the next one. Uh, it was so exciting. And we have a talented, talented group in gymnastics. And then Saturday, the basketball game, mm -hmm. it was a great atmosphere. So there's been, you know, Auburn is really trending up uh, from an atmosphere standpoint. And like I say, winning is contagious. And, you know, when you see these these gymnasts and the basketball team and you saw our women's basketball team on Thursday beat the number four team in the country in Tennessee, it just went on through the rest of the weekend. And, you know, all three teams came out victorious. So they just hope that they can continue to win and have success. And, you know, over the weekend, yes, Friday, I inked the, had to sign my contract to become, you know, the GM of NIL Auburn, which is separated from the university. So I'm glad you asked me the question because a lot of people say, so what is it? So I'm, I'm not tied to the university. NIL cannot be tied to the university. So, you know, so that means that my role is to go out and to talk to alumni, to boosters, and to, to everyone that's involved with Auburn, no matter how big or how little, we don't want anyone to feel like what they do doesn't matter. Everybody matters and every little bit matters. And my job is to communicate the NIL you know, to the community as far as getting them to understand what it is and why it is important. Now, it's not a pay for play type deal. I don't deal with the money aspect of it, uh, what players get paid, anything like that. That's not my job. Uh, there's a third consultant firm that is ahead of us that deal with the market value of each player and their payouts. Um, but these players have to meet requirements. They have to show up for signings. They have to show up for, for Zoom calls and different things. So the whole thing is awesome. If you go online and you go and, and you subscribe, whether it's a thousand dollar subscription a month or whether it's annually or whether it's $500 a month or whether it's annually or whether it's 250 a month or you want to do it annually, like you can do that and you can pair up and do it as well. But this requirements, each one tells you what you're able to, to do with your subscription. So some of it may be, it may be a meet and greet with, a, with players at an NIL event. It may be an autograph signing. It may be picture taken and different things like that. You get a picture or autograph, things like that. So players have to meet their requirements. And also Taylor, they also have to make sure that they stay on top of their education. Their GPAs have to stay up. They can't okay. get in trouble. If they do that, it voids their contracts. So there is something that they have to uphold why they're doing the, why they have these NIL deals. So not everybody has an NIL deal. The goal is to help everyone get one. But the only way we do that is by people getting out, subscribing, getting involved and uh, understanding that, you know, this is the, this is the way of the world that we're in now. And yeah. uh, this is the only way that we're going to be able to, to stay afloat as far as just growing as a university and, and, and everything. It all goes hand in hand. Like Bruce Pearl always say, so he just signed a $50 million contract. Like, how do you think he signs fifty million dollar contracts? You have to have great players, yep. and uh, and everything. So you know, we just have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're competing, you know, with everyone else. But it's not a pay for play type deal. So I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just paying this guy to play. No, they have requirements that they have to meet once an NIL deal is sealed. Good. I love that, and I love that you're involved in it because I certainly think you have a voice that uh, people listen to, and so I think that it's a great fit. But let's go ahead and. Uh, you know, bite the bullet, if you will, because we certainly <laughs> have some things to talk about. And um, I just want to preface by saying, you know, Jason and I do this podcast because we both have been able to stay involved with the program and in various aspects. 
but we don't know anything more than what mass media has said, and we are not here to speculate. I don't think that this is any situation that warrants any sort of gossip or backlash, and that is certainly not what we're here to do, but it is a news story, so we're just going to cover the bases and then move on. Um, so obviously, offensive coordinator Austin Davis has resigned after 43 days with the program. So um, he was hired after being QB coach for the Seattle Seahawks. He was hired back in December, wasn't able to come down to Auburn until the NFL season was over. So he got to campus a few weeks ago um, and ultimately decided it, it wasn't what was best for him. He did release a statement and cited 100% personal reasons. He spoke very highly of the university, the players on the team, Coach Harson, um, and, you know, vouches that it is, it is not a matter of that, which is what everyone's assumption immediately goes to, especially because it's on the heels of Derek Mason's departure as well. And the common denominator in all of this is Coach Harson. So you do become concerned um, that it is an internal issue. But whatever the true reasoning is behind this is ultimately Austin Davis's business and not for anyone else to judge or speculate because the reality of life and even in sports, new, you know, groundbreaking here is that you never know what someone is dealing with. You never know what someone is actually going through and your mean tweet, your judgmental conversation could actually be making someone's situation way worse. So I, I am not here to speculate or guess what is going on. I think the reality of this situation is that it's surprising. And, and Jason and I would both say that just because of how quickly that decision was come to and what would have been realized within that short period of time that you didn't already know when you accepted the job. And so I think that's really the question that we should all, you know, feel okay asking, but certainly not fair to jump to any conclusions or, or create rumors about this guy. That's, that's just not fair. Um, so I'm not sure where we go from here, Jay. I mean, I think that there is comfort in the fact that this guy was, you know, kind of unknown, has never been a coordinator before. You know, it's not like you got some uh, well-renowned winning coordinator who then leaves us high and dry. Um, this this did have its question marks even as a hire. So um, you, you don't hit the panic button. You uh, You wish him well, but ultimately just hope that we can find a, another good fit and in a good amount of time. Yeah, like this this situation, like you said, the first thing when people hear about it is, oh, what's going on? What the world? Like, you know, everyone goes for the worst, it seems yeah. like first. And, you know, we have to let time uh, take place to, to see like what really happened. And like I said, I don't think this is an indebted on, on Coach Harson uh, mm -hmm. because someone chooses to take a personal reason uh, to, to, leave, to leave their job. Because you have to think about this. If you're in Austin Davis shoes and you get a job, a dream job, to be your first offensive chance as an offensive coordinator and two quarterbacks have come here because of you, yep. you're in a position to be in the SEC, you make pretty, really good, you make really good money as a coach and you have opportunity to change the format of your life and it's the best conference in, in college football. Mm -hmm. 
And for you to walk away from that, it has to be something very personal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's just be honest, like there's a lot of things going around. You don't know if it's something mental. You don't know if it's something super personal. You don't know if it's something going on within the family. So, you know, we just wish him well and whatever he decides to do moving forward. And it's better now that he makes that decision than it would have been in August. And now you're stuck because now you still have an opportunity to either move someone up to OC and you still have time to bring in a new OC because we haven't even finished our signing class yet and they haven't even started spring ball yet. Yes, they'll start implementing the offense, but let's just be honest. This offense was going to be Coach Harson's offense anyways. Exactly. And he was going to be the only one calling the plays. So this was going to be a situation with, you know, how Gus, you know, he had guys that was underneath him that was coordinator title, but there was pretty much just a quarterback coach. Right. He was the one that was calling the play. So this was going to be the same similar type of situation. And uh, here, I don't think Austin was going to be the play caller by no means. I don't think he was going to be the one no. designing all the plays. He would be help designing, but not designing all the plays. So, you know, you know, wishing well and everything, but at the same time, like we have to get moving forward. Like we can't sit on days and days worrying about what happened, why this happened and figure like, no, we got to get moving forward. Things happen fast and you got to be able to adapt quickly to change. Like this is the way of the world right now. I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, to, ugh, social media is such an ugly place sometimes. Um, so obviously, if you search this guy's name right now, there's all kinds of, you know, rumors and people just spewing words, which can be really damaging. But he had to have known when making this decision, the potential implications that it would have on him moving forward, because it isn't a great look that you accept this job. And then six weeks in you're out and that could affect future employment. He knew the risk associated and still felt like it was the right decision. So whatever it is, he felt that conviction and went forward with it. And so Auburn fans just have to um, kind of trust the process for lack of a better phrase. I know that's a Saban phrase, but, um, and just not, we can't cry over spilled milk. You know, it is what it is, but whatever the reason is, he's not going to tell us if he wanted to tell us it would have been in his statement. So onward and upward, whatever it's all okay. Um, I think you want to make sure that the guys that are in there now stay bought in. But so many times when I cover college teams, the best teams are the ones that are player led. Like you certainly need a, a solid coaching staff. Don't get me wrong. But if these guys kind of bond together through all of this change, their chemistry on the field may be way better anyway. So you just, you don't know how things are actually going to work out for the good. And, and you just have to, you know, jump to that instead of the negative conclusion. But um, you know, it's certainly a difficult situation, obviously with national signing day being this week and, and a lot still to be desired on the recruiting trail. This is not a, a great look either, but um, Jay, from a, from a player's perspective, back when, when you were recruited, what were some things that you were more so wanting to know about your coaches? Maybe even if there was some movement happening, what was something that you would still be able to say, all right, even though there's a little bit of inconsistency here, I'm impressed by blank. What is the priority when you're in the recruit chair? Yeah, I'll say this. When I was recruited and coming out of high school and everything, like the one thing <laughs> my dad always talked about, he was this, uh, you don't choose a school mostly based off a of coach. Right. He said pretty much because coaches can come and go. 
and they can go take other jobs. Like they can get you there. And all of a sudden, you know, if a coordinator gets bumped to a head coaching opportunity, you think he's staying because he told you he's going to be there. No, he's going to take the head coaching job. So the one thing I looked at was how do I fit in with the university? How do I see myself, you know, as we say to Auburn family and I went on recruiting business and I saw how fans across other SEC schools that I went to, how they treated some of their players, you know, after a loss, everybody treats everybody good when you win. I wanted to see how did you respond and how did you treat the people that you, that you talk about and care about when you lose? And, you know, I was, and, and, and that's the things that I did. And, and like I said, some of them, I saw some ugly sights. And then when I came to the Auburn game and it was against the arch rival, Alabama was my recruiting visit and Auburn lost a close game. And I just saw how people comforted the, the team, the players, it wasn't no bashing and slashing and all that type of stuff. And that made me want to come to Auburn at that point. Cause I felt like this is where I wanted to be. Like, mm-hmm. this is the type of family that you want to be part of where you take care of each other. And uh, that's what foremost, you know, sold me coming to Auburn. Let's face it, Tuckerville was at Ole Miss when he was trying to recruit me. And I wasn't going, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So so it's just like, no, because I, I just wanted to go. My brother played in Mississippi State. That was a huge robber game. Yeah. And then plus I just, you know, so I just wanted to also to set my own road and my own tour. But at the same time, when he came to Auburn, I like, okay, I had already been to Auburn campus a few times before he even got the job there. I had been to the quarterback camps that uh that they used to have, the Biden Academy camps that they used to have at Auburn. So I had already been on the campus before he had even got the job there. So I knew a little bit about the campus and a little bit about Auburn before that time. So, you know, you choose. That's why I tell these kids nowadays, when you choose to go to a school, make sure you're going to the school because of the reasons, not because of the coach. Because the coach can leave, but because you see yourself being there. And the other thing is make sure now that the NIL and everything is going on, you know, also these kids need to realize, like, don't allow yourself to feel like anybody anywhere can buy you because you may go to certain places and you may sit for three, four years before you get an opportunity to play. And you may can go to another place. And guess what? You may start the first year or the second year, but then all of a sudden that gives you a better opportunity. If your goal is to go to the league, you get an opportunity to get seen more. Yeah. And you get a chance to perform more. So you get a chance to make mistakes and correct them instead of having that one year of pressure on you and uh, and everything. But also, I also say this, like, whatever you do now to get paid and, and everything to, to do your requirements and everything like that, make sure that you're not costing yourself later on in life because of what you're trying to do right now yeah. and what someone is trying to do to you right now, offer you right now. Like, that's my biggest fear of kids is 18 and 22 year olds right now is going to college. These kids need to be surrounded by people that care about them. No, it's a very good point. I mean, I think in the ever evolving world of college football, you could end up parting ways with a coach way sooner than you foresee. Obviously, a situation like this is a bit more rare. So I think it, it startled people a little bit more, but it is a nature of of sport right now. So, um, I definitely think that is relevant. And I think that, you know, we keep saying we have to give Harson uh, time and a fair shot at this thing. You can't expect him to come in 
and have, you know, half his own influence and half the remnants of, of the Malzahn era that he's still trying to work through. And he's got his process and his philosophy and, and you give it time, you can't hit the panic button so easily. Um, I don't think we're going to have progress if everyone's doing that, but um, unclear what will happen at the OC position. If they'll try and bring someone in from the outside, if they'll try and promote within, if Harson just says, screw it, I'll be without, I'll essentially act as head coach and OC, which I mean, plenty of coaches do. So um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Austin did have an impact, you know, during the time he was there, both Zach Calzada and Robbie Ashford were both in communication with him and, and both have said he had a lot to do with them coming to Auburn. Um, obviously it's, it's a shame that they won't be able to see that through, but for all we know, one of those two is going to be our starting quarterback. And if in his 43 days, he got us that guy, I'm appreciative for that. So we'll, uh, we'll hold on to positives in that regard. But uh, anyway, we are going to move on because like I said, Jason and I know no more than is already out there. So uh, that's that people let's talk about national signing day, which is this week. Um, and we will certainly have an update for you on that front next week. What would you like to see happen this week, Jay, when all is said and done? Is it, is it a position group? Is it just a, a bit of a morale boost? What, what could this, you know, given the time that this is all happening in, what could this uh, National Signing Day do in terms of, of you know, propelling us further into the offseason? Well, I tell you what, <laughs> a lot can do it we can pick up some offensive linemen yes we got a lot of guys that returning from last year that decided to come back that was a huge get that probably was our biggest recruits uh just for the reason that it provides us with some experience uh rather than just starting off five fresh guys and one guy maybe with only experience so i'd like to see us in the offensive line position get more depth uh we need some big time kids at that position uh everybody knows that football starts from inside out Yes, you can look at the quarterbacks and all the little flashy cars on the outside to catch the ball and, and run the ball and everything. But you got to have those guys up front to provide that time. They've got to open up those holes. So, you know, that's where it starts at. It's, a, it's in the trenches. So we need those guys. I would also say the receiver position. Yep. We signed a few guys in the early class in December, but we also need to continue to add depth to that position. And, and we need some big time players, some guys that can go get the ball and it can make something happen in yards out the catch. Um, you know, this past year, we missed that number one big-time guy. Yes, Kobe was – he was a, a good receiver, but we we, we missed those big-time receivers, you know, the Seth Williams-type game-changer receivers. And uh, so we, we got to find more than one. We need, like, three, you know. And uh, so hopefully we can get some guys finished off in that position and, and, and everything because – Defensively, I like where we're at. Defensively, I like the guys that we got in the transfer portal, like the guys we picked up so far in the signing class. Um, like I said, it's just now I think we should focus a little more on the offensive side of the ball in this uh, in this signing class this week. Now, would that happen? I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not a part of the recruiting trail. Neither can I recruit. Because people like Jay, I hear on Twitter, Jay, go recruit. No, I can't recruit players, yeah. people. I, I don't have anything to do with recruiting or signing kids or offering kids money that's not my job yeah. um so let's just know that but at the same time like i expect us to, to do something offensively this week i would love to see it we hope so uh we will definitely keep uh our eyes and ears toward all of that and we will be able to break down and recap 
National Signing Day on our episode next week. But let's switch gears a little bit and talk about basketball because that certainly is everyone's point of relief right now. Did not think I would see the day where Auburn basketball is where everyone is feeling more comfortable than Auburn football. (laughs) But nonetheless, that's where we are still sitting at the number one spot in the nation. And boy, that feels good to say. Defeating Oklahoma this past weekend. But uh, a tough one happening tonight. Luckily, it's at home. But we do have Alabama coming to town, which is always, you know, I don't have to tell you people, you already know. Anytime an Alabama-Auburn matchup happens, there's a lot of passion, a lot of heat. Obviously, you know this Tiger team is playing so effectively right now, looking to stay undefeated in conference play and continue to protect that number one spot. And because of said success, Auburn went ahead and locked down Coach Pearl because obviously last week there were some rumors that Louisville had been in touch with him, that Bruce was interested, yada, yada. Alan Green put his money where his mouth was and extended him to a contract of eight years, $50.2 million. Get your payday, Bruce Pearl. Yeah, get your payday, Bruce Pearl. I tell you what, though. <laughs> you know. Yes. One thing about it, though, he has definitely changed the format of college sports at Auburn. Um, like, like this guy, he gets it. Like, he's very energetic. He he understands how to get the program involved with the with the the students, where they're there hours before games, where they make the atmosphere so electric that this does something. You want to talk about getting recruits to Auburn? Yep. Shoot, go to a basketball okay. game and see how live it is. And if you don't like playing in front of that type of energy as a as a young kid, like I don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, that excitement to me, man, it, it's like I said, I've been going to Auburn for over 20 years. And, you know, this this has been the best as far as like seeing the, the basketball arena the way it is right now. The great ones and the ones that want to be great and want to be the best that they can be, they like for you to challenge them. And if I'm a player, I want my coach to challenge me. I don't want my coach to just always pat me on the back, say, good job, good job, when I know I didn't do a good job. That's annoying. Get into me. Let me know what I did wrong. And I think that's why Bruce Pearl kids play so hard. You ever watch Katie Johnson? Like, if you watch his dynamics throughout the game, like, sometimes he he shows his face. I'm just like, oh. And then sometimes he... (laughs) It's such how he looks at Bruce Pearl and say, I got you. I, I got you. And then he look at him and tell him, I got it. Leave me alone. But see, that's the type of communication they can have because both of them are, are fierce competitors. And oh, then, right. you know, with Jabari Smith, like he's going to be a top five draft pick. But Jabari is so unselfish. Like he shares the basketball. But then he, you see the game, he's learning how to try to take over games where he takes a guy down in the post and he, and he, turns around and give him a good shot because he knows he can elevate over him because of his height mm-hmm. and his jump shot. So this basketball team is growing before our eyes. Like I told everybody, the Missouri game, that was a trap game because it was our first time being ranked number one. The pressure was high yep. and kids want to show everybody why they supposed to be ranked number one rather than just playing the, got, playing the way that got them there. You saw that against Oklahoma. They played the way that they've been playing that got them to that number one ranking. So I think from here on out, you see a more of a consistent play like that. But, you know, I'm excited to see what's going on. Yep. I completely agree. It has been a fun era and it, uh, it's got at least eight more years, so we love to see it. We do still have some big ones. I, I saw that the um, Florida, we have to go to Florida, and it's already sold out 
Um, so there will be hostile environments, teams that want to ruin our fun, uh, but hopefully we're, we're able to uh, close out the series with Alabama tonight with another dub. Let's go ahead and recap what happened this past week in the NFL before we close out this week's episode. But before we do that, I actually have one more sponsor to tell you guys about Masterworks. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. An even greater art price outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2020 and 2021 from the sale of two paintings. So it's your opportunity to join a lot of members and invest like they do. So you get priority access with their game day promo. If you go to masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, that's masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Thank you, Masterworks, for sponsoring our show. Okay, the Super Bowl is set, people, and by gosh, Joe Burrow freaking did it, and boy, am I happy to see it happen. So it is going to be Matt Stafford and the Rams against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Sets up the lowest seeded Super Bowl matchup in history, but it just goes to show how wild this year has been. A bit less predictability, which just makes it more fun. So Obviously, Joe Burrow and the Bengals defeated the Chiefs in Kansas City in overtime. Obviously, uh, some chaos yet again. It was actually uh, tying the largest comeback in an AFC title game. Uh, the Bengals got down 21-3 to early and had to fight and claw their way back, and they were able to do it. But the Chiefs did tie it with a field goal as time expired, sending us into overtime again. And my head would have exploded if they won in overtime yet again because of the dumb freaking rules of NFL overtime. And they did win the coin toss. So I was like, oh, here we freaking go. But a turnover gave the Bengals the ball back and they were able to win it on a field goal, sending them into the third Super Bowl in franchise history so let's talk about this one and then i'll give a quick recap of the rams win uh what do you think of this one jay I, I mean you just hats off to joe burrow right yeah hats off to your guy joe burrow even though you Love didn't it. pick him to win this game um <laughs> <laughs> i just said I was shade, the shade is real the shade is oh real i'm God. sorry but joe burrow first of all let me talk about the chiefs first let me just go with the chiefs because okay. i picked the chiefs first i'm, I'm gonna say this the even though I played for the Bengals, I'm happy that they made it to the Super Bowl, and I like the fact that it shows society and it shows other sports. Like it's good to see some new blood in the in the Super oh, Bowl, yeah. and uh, I think it makes it fun for the sport. I think it makes it you know fun for the fan base, and uh, it's been a long time coming for them. So, and plus we got an Auburn guy in there, CJ. So I know I was sad he got hurt. All right, and Pearson, his fiance is from Auburn as well. So there's some ties. I, I say this. Kansas City got cocky and arrogant. Yep. And you watch the first half of that game. 
you know, a lot of Mahomes making a lot of plays, running around, making throws and getting touchdowns. And it almost like they started playing with the Bengals a little bit. And then right before the half, it's five seconds to go on the clock. Everybody knows you go ahead and either kick the field goal, you have no timeout, or you get a snap and you try to make a quick throw into the end zone. Yeah, that was weird. And if it goes incomplete, then you just go ahead and kick the field goal. The fact that they try to throw the ball behind beyond the goal line to Tyree Hill because they feel like, oh, we're just that much better than you. We're going to get him in open space and he'll score. No, you get him open space, he gets tackled. And then Mahomes tried to call a timeout, didn't realize they lost that timeout when they challenged because they called a timeout before they threw out the challenge flag. So you mm -hmm. couldn't do that. So now you go into halftime, the Bengals has all the momentum because they just stop you. And then the Chiefs obviously got deflated and lost their rhythm because they came out in the second half. They scored three points the whole second half. And and a lot of the stuff that they was doing just looked so out of sync, even towards the end of the game when Mahomes was just running around trying to make something happen. If you watched the play from start, Kelsey was already wide open. Yeah. If he just takes his foot and put his foot in the background, just throwing the ball. But he all day he had been making plays on running around and making things happen that sometimes you forget just to make the routine play. And all you need is the routine play. And on that, the routine play was open for a touchdown. But he tried to run around, he ended up fumbling the ball. Fortunately, they recovered and kicked the field goal sitting in overtime. The crowd went crazy when the tip-off happened because I they know. just automatically just knew <laughs> that they was going to win the game when they yeah. won the tip-off. And it almost like it put more pressure on them offensively because the first pass was high. The second one should have been a pick six and ended the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third one ended up being an interception, which wasn't his fault, tip ball. But it just goes to show you, you can play defense in overtime. And, yes, I still agree with the rules that – if you score a touchdown, you score a field goal, you get another chance. If you score a touchdown, I don't agree that the fact that you don't get an opportunity for the other team. What's the difference? Go ahead and let the other team get a chance to see if they can score a touchdown. Right. So, yes, they need to fix that. Um, but I just thought this game was more of Kansas City giving it away and being too arrogant and cocky and more so than just Cincinnati just flat-out beating them. Now, Agreed. back to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, young football team. To be in this position, young coach, uh, after, you know, what they've been through the last two years. And it goes show you that, yes, Joe Burrow has great leadership in that locker room. Uh, the kid, they always feel like they can win because they always feel like, you know, he, he's a fighter and he's going to fight with them and put them in a position to help win the games. And, and like I said, like, it's a great, you know, you want to call it a Cinderella story. I always tell people about getting hot at the right time. And right now they're a hot football team and it makes them dangerous in the Super Bowl. So, you know, congratulations to the Bengals and, and the city and the fan base. And, you know, look forward to a great, great game. And like I said, you know, Kansas City going to have to learn from this. This one stings. Yeah. This will hurt them. A, this will hurt them a little bit um, yeah. and everything because you beat Buffalo. You got to go win that Super Bowl. That was oh, the yeah. epic game of, of the last 30 years, yep. you know, so you know, now we'll just see what you think about it, Taylor. <laughs> I was very impressed. I think that you're absolutely right, though. I feel like the the Chiefs, they all also got a little more conservative in play calling, it felt like. Um, I, I don't think that they were um, necessarily full steam ahead, which I, I don't really understand why they pumped the brakes a little bit on that one. Um, and yeah, not your typical drive from Mahomes. He got a little sloppy. He got um, a, a little reckless in, in, you know, avenues that he typically is, is very successful with. 
um, in his Houdini type style, um, it kind of got the best of him down there toward the end. So uh, it was wild, but I think for the Bengals, I was mostly just impressed and, and Joe Burrow specifically, it didn't, it never feels like a moment is too big for the team. And when you think about how young they are, how young Joe Burrow is, how it, not typical it is for them to have a season like this. And yet they all carry themselves like they've been here before. It's, it's very, it's like a quiet confidence that they all have, which has been interesting to me. I think that this matchup in particular in the Super Bowl is going to be a very tough one for them, specifically in the trenches because their offensive line is really bad. Their offensive line is, is their weak spot. Joe Burrow gets sacked so many times in a game and that pass rush and, and Aaron Donald alone is going to give them a really tough run. So I think that that is really going to be problematic for them. But even when CJ went down, you know, T Higgins and obviously Jamar chase, these, these guys are, are really making their presence known and they've handled themselves very well. And, and I just, I think that's why everyone's pulling for them. It feels like they've kind of become like America's team a little bit. Like everyone loves this franchise and, and the guys that they have on the team. So um, I was excited to see them pull that off. Now, Matt Stafford will finally be, be making a Super Bowl appearance, obviously a special year for him after getting traded to Los Angeles. And look, this is why the Rams did it. They really felt like if they got a quarterback like Stafford, they could go all the way. Um, and so they have, they have made the most of that big move. They defeated the 49ers and will now play the Super Bowl at home for the second straight year. A Super Bowl's um, team or the Super Bowl locations home team uh, will be playing in the game. So that's exciting. But Stafford has, listen to this, Stafford has 49,995 career passing yards, 323 career passing touchdowns, the most pass yards and pass touchdowns by a player in his first Super Bowl appearance. He has done all of that and is still only in his first Super Bowl. Contrastly, Joe Burrow's only been in the league two years and has led his team to the Super Bowl. So you've got very opposite narratives in that front, which I think is pretty cool. But, um, you know, Cooper Cup and, and these guys with the Rams, they always felt like the pieces were there. Um, and I, I love Sean McVay. I think he's a fantastic coach. So I, I like it. And I, it breaks up the monotony that sometimes exists in college football. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I'm not a Bengals fan now. I have th They've done me in. I, I am a Bengals fan, and I want to get those little rectangular glasses. <laughs> well, I say this, uh, you know, congratulations to Stafford and, uh, and the Rams. Like I say, you know, Stafford, he's always been a, you know, a good quarterback. And, but people always blame him for too much to happen in Detroit. Uh, like I said, I've played on some bad franchises and people don't realize like the weight that it puts on you and everyone puts everything off on the quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? It just goes to show you what happens when you get in a better franchise and you have, you know, those great teammates and they surround them with people that, that can help you be successful. And like I said, just look at, look at his uh, counterpart. Like they just, they traded for like mm -hmm. golf. He goes to Detroit. This is the same guy that was two years ago, three years ago, was in the Super Bowl. And now he goes to Detroit. They only win, they can only win two games. So, you know, it just goes to show you what 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 the world what can happen when you surround people with the right type of situations. And uh, like I said, this was a good game. We knew it was gonna be a tough fault game. 
Uh, for Stafford, it was happy to see him and his wife. If people don't know this, she had a 12-hour brain surgery. So the things that they've gone through as a family, uh, you see all the stuff on the football field, but you don't realize these guys have real lives as well. And the excitement they show with each other during that moment after the game was surreal. Uh, like I say, being a chance to play in the Super Bowl is probably an honor and a privilege. And like I say, it's in L.A. And just think about it, the amount of pressure he had to carry probably of any player in the league this year because of the, the magnitude of the trade. And you're in L.A., so every little thing you do get publicized five times more. So, you know, to be able to, to, to have the success he's had this year, you know, that's a congratulations to him. And, you know, that game was – that game was – it was physical. It was very physical. And, you know, like I said, the game could have got changed on either one of these guys making an interception. If the kid from San Francisco makes the interception in the middle of the field, it may be a different story. If Ramsey makes the interception against um, Garoppolo – then it could have ended quicker than than it did. So, you know, what a great playoff atmosphere. What a great playoff run. This is probably one of the best playoffs I've seen from top to bottom mm -hmm. um, in a very, very, very long time. So hopefully we're in a treat for the Super Bowl. Hopefully the halftime show is great. Uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, this is a turning point. Like I said, with Tom Brady retiring today, congratulations on an amazing career. Yep. But now he's passing the torch on to the next generation. And I feel like the next generation has some really, really good young quarterbacks uh, that can lead this NFL and, uh, and everything. So the game is forever evolving. Uh, mm -hmm. What used to be really good 15 years ago is now not the same, you know, yeah. so it's always evolving. So, you know, people is getting more and more excited the more they know about it and learn about it. So, you know, what kudos to a great year. But like I said, I, I, I guess I have to go for the Bengals because I played for them. So, yeah, of course. You know, I, I think it only makes sense. Yeah, so here we go. Yeah, it'll be exciting. We'll uh we'll be able to preview it a little bit more um next week. We'll talk halftime and and all of that. You did touch on Tom Brady officially retiring. It's been, you know, a conversation for several days now because apparently Adam <laughs> Schefter released it prematurely, but now it really is fact. Very weird, but nonetheless, he did put out uh his official statement on social media and part of what he said was you know, I think it's time to leave the game to the the next generation. And, and you're you're seeing it big time, you know, with I mean, not, Matt Stafford's been around for a little while, but Joe Burrow, even Pat is very young. Everyone forgets how young he is. You feel like he's been around forever. Josh Allen. I mean, it does feel like there's kind of this next wave and, and with Brady and Rogers uh, both kind of being where they are. He made the decision that he is stepping away, which is just it's crazy to think about, you know, football without him after 22 years, he's been synonymous with the NFL. So uh, it will certainly be wild to see who continues in the footsteps of a great like him. But uh, we certainly, you know, commend him on an unbelievable career and, and what he's meant to the league. So uh, with that, I think we will wrap it up here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. We'll be back next week to uh, probably talk about some more drama that happened because that's how college football is. Hopefully our Tigers will still be number one in basketball and we'll have had a great national signing day. So make sure you tune back in next week on our episode. And until then, everyone enjoy the week of Auburn basketball gymnastics whatever else is going on and we will talk soon we're eagle worry everybody without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.